0: Blessed be the Holy Trinity and the undivided unity. Let us give glory to him, because he has shown mercy to us. Amen. The Sunday after Pentecost always brings the fullness for us to celebrate the only true God. Nowadays, it's hard enough for people to conceive of God, but to speak of All that language, three persons and one divine essence. This is when minds shut off. And people gasp if they come to church on this kind of a Sunday and not a regular attender. They just gasp at the lengthiness of the Athanasian Creed. Because it's long. But I like it. It all seems, of course, to our American society and our way that we think about Pragmatism and things should just be all this simple and quick. It doesn't fit very well this Trinity Sunday. A lot of churches even dismiss the creeds. Several founding fathers in this nation, like Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, and John Adams, went even further. They saw Jesus, they talk about him in their writings, and they saw him to be a useful, as a good man for moral standards. But they also denied any place with expressing the Trinity. As deists, they believed God and man were at a distance, which meant Jesus was, to them, just A man, a great man, but he was only a man, and there was no Holy Trinity. When reason, you see, seeks to reign over God's word, it denies more than the Holy Trinity. Jesus not being God of God, or the only Son of the Father from all eternity, is to lose the gospel. His sacrifice to be Savior becomes pointless, And maybe at best, maybe a highlighted heroic deed of a great sacrifice that was made. But not, as we would say, the one and only sacrifice for sinners. You see, Trinity Sunday reminds us that God's salvation is at stake. Our gospel reading from Matthew is the primary text used for the Holy Trinity. The Lutheran confessions reference Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20 over 20 plus times they quote those Bible verses. Even the liturgy, as you listened, hopefully you saw it, but it frames everything around the triune God from all others. And so right from the start, we make it pretty emphatic in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Reason can bask. Our minds today can bask in the comfort, not the equation, but the comfort and praise of God's word that has given us the gospel, and with that, all of God and what he does for us. The triune God comes to us in the majesty and mercy of Jesus Christ, who truly is for a sinful world. And so, if you've ever seen mountains, they're quite majestic. I've been on a few. And they're just, they're just a sense of kind of like you're over it all. And yet it's even better when Jesus is on a mountain. God created the mountains as part of the dry land that he formed in the third day. And so from these heights of that kind of a glory, David, as king, would praise in Psalm 8... These words, O oh Lord, our oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, considering the mountains. But he goes on, you have set your glory above the heavens, which is even greater than the mountains that we might indeed be in awe over. You remember, too, it was a mountain that the ark settled after the flood, right? Before a new creation, God said to Noah and his family up on a mountain, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Bring creation again. Of course, God later gave his personal name, I Am, Yahweh, to Moses from a burning bush. It was at Mount Sinai. Only after the, of the exodus... You know what would happen? He'd return to that mountain where the Ten Commandments would set apart Israel before the nations. At the time of Christ, there were issues over mountains. Do you remember? He talked to a Samaritan woman at a well, and he said, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem Will you worship the Father? Of course, you know Jerusalem and the temple were also built on a mountain. While climbing mountains today is quite popular, and some die on some mountains because they're so eager to want to try to do that sport or even conquer the mountain, Matthew in his Gospel ends with Jesus appearing on a mountain being worshipped. This event happened after the resurrection, but before Jesus' ascension, because that was at a different mountain. Don't get confused today. This was a mountain in Galilee. Jesus ascended on a mountain in Bethany. The disciples on this mountain saw the majesty of this man who was truly God, having conquered death. But as mentioned, and as we know from Easter theme, some doubted. They didn't know what to do with it all. They didn't know where it was going. It's to these doubts that still haunt us, too. Jesus speaks as Lord, without restriction. And he says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. As the eternal Son of God, he already had all authority with the Father, right? From eternity, Jesus had this as the Son. But as perfect man, he humbled himself to remove the judgment against sinful humanity, the authorities that were against us. And so Jesus has conquered all sin, death, and so for that, it was on a mountain in Galilee. The disciples hear that all powers, be they good or evil, are now subject to this man. Not merely to God, but to Jesus Christ, who is God and man. And so from this mountain, the purpose of God's name is given. And so when God's name is given... In this kind of a context, it has a whole lot of mercy that Jesus is sharing here by giving God's name. There are certainly other places in Scripture, you can turn your catechism or whatever, where God shows his fullness as triune. Maybe a pastor in the past that a Bible study, he did this. But the Bible opens with creation account you heard today. You've got God creating, the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters, and you've got the Word being spoken. That brings forth creation. God, in Hebrew, if you didn't know, is Elohim, and it's a plural noun. And yet, when God said to Moses, I am who I am, Yahweh is in the singular. You have the various threefold utterances in the Old Testament. There's all over the place. You got the most common one, you know, because you hear it almost every Sunday, the Aaronic Bic- benediction, the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, three times, right? You also have, when Isaiah sees God, the holy angels, and they're singing, what we say around the Lord's Supper, holy, 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 the Lord of hosts. The New Testament does not replace God with the Old Testament. Just as the church, as it struggled for the Trinity, is to uphold what God has spoken and done. We're not changing the conversation. When we speak about the Trinity, we are confessing what has always been. It is... Surpri- is it surprising? This is the big question. Is it surprising that the risen Jesus gives God's name in fullness from what the gospel has done for a sinful world? He gives it to us after all things have been done and won for sinners. He gives it to us when the doors of heaven are opened for all who believe in him. And so he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so the honoring of God's name, Jesus ties directly to the gift God works of forgiveness, life, and salvation. Yep, in baptism. And so here's the hard thing to hear. Dismissing The need for baptism or replacing it to be a work of man overlooks the merciful mission of the Holy Trinity with this baptizing that is for any baby and yeah adults, but it's for anyone, this baptizing to die and rise with Christ alone. is a teaching, as he said, teaching them all things or a need for the word. And let me tell you, it's bigger than confirmation. It's a need for the word because this learning that we have never exceeds the victory won by Christ alone, but it grows from him. And it's a stewardship. We want to talk about stewardship, right? Right? Here is the greatest stewardship for the church. Not your time, not your talents, not your treasures, even though that's fine and good. The greatest stewardship is rooted in the word of God to be a people who listens and learns what God speaks. Teaching ties us to the apostles who were sent by Jesus, right? And also how the church now calls pastors to deliver and guard and, yep, feed the flock of God. Today's text is very profound because all wrapped up with this baptizing as a people who are given to learn. And this is a challenge today I will speak very pointedly to you about because you can learn lots of stuff. You've been educated since the Reformation, so the lay people can read just as much as pastors. But today we've got the internet. And so you can get whatever you want. Just type it into Google. But careful what you type in. But this is the problem. It's more than gaining information. I want to learn about the Holy Trinity. I'll type this on Google. I'll look and see what they have there. Oh, I learned some stuff. That is not the way we're talking about learning. It's a baptismal life with the triune God at work. And really it's with pastor and people together whether formally in Bible study or whatever, or even when I come and speak with you informally. It's that kind of fellowship of learning that's at work by the Holy Trinity. To do it on your own and by yourself is not good enough. Not to the triune God who wishes to work for his whole body, the church. And so before a sinful world, there's a mountain of comfort to confess the triune God. The last words recorded of Jesus in Matthew is him saying, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It is nothing like the deism or God at a distance worshipped by man's reason that was forming at the beginning of this country. Jesus lives up to his name in every way, and it's in Matthew, the first gospel, where we find that he has an angel who says something about Jesus. He says they will call him Emmanuel. Matthew records the birth of Jesus. And that's the whole point of the Gospel of Matthew. God is with us. Christmas yields to Easter with comfort crafted out of the cross. And it's all by the work of the Holy Trinity. Take a look at my cross when you go out of church today. I love this cross. It's one that has it all wrapped together with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. At the center of this love is the presence of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so there are plenty of moments and movements that were to come before the visible church, right? But this all-time promise is for his church. What God told Israel now belongs to the baptized among the nations. This grace in Jesus Christ goes unbound through time, space, and in all circumstances. I am with you always magnifies what Isaiah declared long ago, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. To worship the Trinity relies on the comfort of Jesus in his holy word and true presence in the sacrament. There's a big argument that can be made for when churches deny the true body and blood of Jesus, then how can you also believe in the Holy Trinity? Because that is just as crazy. But that isn't about the logic that is without the love of the word of God that has promised to give us all good things in his son. The whole church rests on that mountain of God's grace with Jesus saying, I am with you always. It's When it started, Zion started this church, it was there for this church. When churches go through whatever it is, it remains for the church. Even when churches have to close, it says, I am with you always, is that promise. It belongs to Jesus, it remains with Jesus. No matter the losses or how we feel life is going, the God-man goes with us. And so with him, you have the Holy Trinity. Trinity. Forgiveness. What does that do? You get to call God Father. In the Lord's Prayer. You have life abiding in Christ at all times because Jesus lives. And the Holy Spirit keeps faith alive by the Word. Having celebrated Pentecost last Sunday means we're now in that season. It's a big season, right? Pentecost season. And it's the church's life, but not without the Holy Trinity. The Athanasian Creed, as with all the creeds, arose out of the necessity to defend what Scriptures already speak. To keep God as God is the Catholic or universal Christian faith set upon the gospel. And I'll tell you, there's an awful lot of churches today that have lost what that confession means. This is not merely Jesus as a good example for my life or for my kids. His majesty and mercy is Lord and Savior for a sinful world. And so blessed be the Holy Trinity and the undivided unity because God has mercy on us. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. At this time, we rise and continue with the offertory on page 192.